0: I am excited about what God has put in my heart to speak with you guys about. I need you to be a little bit tender with me because my daughter... um, So I've got a son called Jordan, he's 22. I've got a daughter called Kezia, who's 19. And Kezia um, has felt called by God to do a six-month course in Canada on evangelism. So we're kind of like just getting our heads around that and... My wife is crying all the time because her daughter is going to the other side of the world. And we're taking Kezia to Heathrow, and I have to have a word to my wife. I say, Tamsin, when we're at this airport, you've got to look happy. You've got to be joyous. We're celebrating our daughter is doing a great thing. You cannot cry. You are not allowed to cry. It's like, yeah, yeah, okay, okay. So we get to Heathrow and we put the the bags in and then we have the weirdest coffee in the world because Kezia says we're not allowed to talk about the fact that she's gone away for six months. So it's just about to happen and we're chatting about the weather, yeah? And we're just kind of a bit weird. And then I did a terrible thing. Never do this, right? Write this in your notepad. Never get God Involved, yeah, that is what I want you to write down because I said, Do you know what would be good? Why don't we pray? My son's there, my daughter's there, my wife, let's pray. We stood up, and as soon as I started praying, my daughter started bawling her eyes out, she's crying, she's weeping. And then I look across at my wife, I don't know if you've ever heard the term. Ugly crying, have you ever heard that? Have you ever heard that term? Well, there is something worse than ugly crying, and that is ugly trying not to cry, yeah? I mean, she was there, she's like, love, please cry, do us all a favor, yeah? Give us a break, love. And then I'm praying, and she's crying, Kesha's crying, and then I can feel, and big drops have fallen, I'm crying, and then I look over at my 22-year-old son, nothing, yeah? In fact, there's a little thought bubble above his head that says, when can we get Nando's, yeah? That's what's going on. That's what's going on in his head. And on the way home, I'm like, Jordan, your sister's gone to Canada for six months. And he's like, "Well," huh? I says, why wouldn't you cry? He's goes, I am getting her room, yeah? Why would I cry? I thought, no, that's a good point, well made, very good. (laughs) So we drove home and we got back to Nottingham and I've left my daughter and I think she's in the air, but I never realised that our flight was massively delayed. So I go to the barbers to get my hair cut that afternoon and as I'm sitting there waiting to get my hair cut, my phone pings. And I look at this text, and it's from my daughter. The flight's been delayed, and she says, Dad, that's me just about to go now. Here are three things I've always wanted to tell you. And they are like the most beautiful, sweet things you could ever read. And in that barber's, I started bawling my eyes out. I mean, I'm not even talking, just a little cry. I'm talking proper. <laughs> and then when I look up, I can see in this barber's all these men, none of them have got the emotional equipment to deal with a sobbing Scotsman. They're all like, looking at each other going, you talk to him, no, you talk to him, I'm not talking to him. And then it's brilliant because then the barber finishes cutting the hair and he says, who's next? And all the guys go, him, let him go, yeah. He needs to go. He needs to go now. So listen, if you need to go fast on a Saturday in Starbucks, just start sobbing, yeah? You will get served quick. They do not like that. Get them out of here quick. I've got, I've got something burning inside of me. And if you've got a Bible, I'd love you to turn to John chapter 6. And it's an amazing story in the Bible, John chapter 6. And we're seeing it from verse 5. This is a story. When Jesus looked up and saw a great crowd coming towards him, he said to Philip, where shall we buy bread for these people to eat? He asked this only to test him, for he already had in mind what he was going to do. And Philip answered him, eight months wages would not buy enough bread for each one to have a bite. Another of his disciples, Andrew, Simon Peter's brother, spoke up. Here is a boy with five small barley loaves and two small fish. But how far will they go among so many? And Jesus said, Make the people sit down. There was plenty of grass in that place, and the men sat down, about 5,000 of them. And Jesus then took the loaves, gave thanks, and it says, and distributed to those who were seated as much as they wanted. He did the same with the fish. And when they'd all had enough to eat, he said to the disciples, Gather the pieces that are left over. Let nothing be wasted. So they gathered them and filled 12 baskets with the pieces of the five barley loaves left over by those who had eaten. Wow. I. I've got something stirring in my soul to speak to you about today. You see, we all love the story of Jesus putting his hand on the bread and the fish and it multiplying. What a great miracle. But I want to speak to you today about the miracle that happens before the miracle. The miracle that happens before the miracle. You see... Something had to happen in that little boy before God could do anything powerful. And what had to happen is that that little boy had to get over himself. He had to get past his limited thinking. You see, the greatest and first obstacle that you need to get over is yourself. I mean, I come from a Pentecostal background And we pray, and we love God, and we believe that there's a devil who's against our soul. And I've been in churches where, you know, we've had lovely ladies saying, Oh, Satan has come against me. I've had a flu all week. And you're thinking, wow, really? Does the devil want to do that? Is that what he does? Does he give people the flu? And it's like, some churches are so excitable about Satan and the devil, but... The first obstacle and the biggest obstacle that you will ever need to overcome is yourself. You see, that little boy, he needed to overcome his limited thinking before the miracle could happen. And I believe that there are people in this room that you need to get over yourself. You need to get over your own limited thinking to let the miracle happen. That little boy... He could have thought to himself, it's only little. It's too small. Like looks at this little bit of fish and little bit of bread. It's only little. He had to get over that and hand it over to Jesus. And I'm speaking to someone today who thinks that they've not got much to give. I'm talking to somebody in the room who thinks, well, I've not got a lot, Mark. I'm not a big deal. I'm not... I'm not mega gifted, I've not got a lot of skills, I've not got a lot of talents. I'm looking and speaking to someone today who thinks, oh, I've not got a lot to contribute. I've only got a small amount. I'm nothing, I'm a nobody, I've not got much. And I'm here to say to you today that you need to get over yourself because, you see, we do not get to decide what happens in the miracle. God takes what you give, and he does the miracle. God does the miracle. You give the little that you have, and God will command the increase. Oh, I love that. I love the thought that someone today, just given the little that they have, and boom, God does an incredible miracle. You see, the second limiting thought that this little kid could have had in his head could have been, well, there's not enough here to make a difference. Little bit of fish, little bit of bread, stick it back in the packed lunchbox, put it back in the rucksack. There's 5,000 men here. There's only 7,000, 8,000 people here. What are my, my little fish and bread? is not enough to make a difference. I want to speak to somebody today who thinks that, you know, what they've got to give will not make a difference. I want to speak to someone. I was praying and God has stirred me up even as we were worshiping again about this, that I believe that there's somebody in the room who's got a business idea. And it's a little business idea and it's swirling around and you could be tempted to put that business idea back in the packed lunch box, back into the rucksack. It's never really going to make much of a difference. And here as a Scottish guy felt by God to stir you up that you would bring your business idea, hand it over to God and watch God do an incredible miracle. Wow. There may be somebody here who's got a book inside of them. There's somebody here who's got a song inside of them. Yeah. Isn't it wonderful to think that there could be a song in this room? Imagine if you wrote the next big worship song. I'm fed up singing songs by Australians. Let's sing some <laughs> songs. God bless Australia, <laughs> but do you know what I'm saying? Was it like... Wow, you know, come on, there's a song in here and there's a a book in here and there's a creative creative idea in here. And it's like, oh, what are we going to do, friend? Are we going to stick it back in the box, put it back in the rucksack and say, well, it's not much. It won't make a difference. Wow, when you hand it over to God, watch what God does. The third limiting thought that this little kid could have had is simply this. It's only a bit of fish and bread that's been put together in the back kitchen. My mum's back kitchen. We're not master chef here. We're not talking French cuisine. We're talking a little bit of fish and a little bit of bread that mum put together in the back kitchen. But the little boy had to get over himself to hand it over to Jesus. And... I feel that there's somebody in this room. I feel this so powerfully in my soul right now. And you've said, my background, Mark, you don't understand my background. I come from a tough council estate. Mark, I've not been massively educated. I'm not, maybe there's someone sitting in the room saying, if you knew my upbringing, if you knew where I've come from, (laughs) I, I can't really do much, Mark, because I'm not incredibly well-blessed and well-educated like lots of other people. And God's brought me here to say to you today that it doesn't matter where it's come from. It didn't matter that the fish and bread was from the back kitchen. Don't limit God with your limited thinking. Hand it over to God and watch what God will do. God can take everything that you hand over to him and he will bring increase. Let me tell you my little story, right? So I'm a minister's kid. My mom and dad are are ministers and I went to Bible college and I was preaching away and doing all that and going for it, it was all good. But I wanted to see more people engage with God. I wanted to see more people connect with God. And lots of events I was going to, most people were Christians. And I wanted to get in front of lots of non-Christians. My wife took me along to see a comedian called Dave Gorman. And Dave Gorman's a very funny guy. He's not a Christian, but he's got a message and he's communicating that message. And God spoke to me in the theatre and said, I want you to have a go at that. My God, I'm a preacher, I'm not a comedian. What are you chatting about? But I spoke to my wife, we're going to go for this. So we booked a theatre out in Nottingham. And 70 people come to this theater, and I do my first ever show, one man show. We did lots of humor, and then we brought the gospel in. There were moments that night that were hilarious. People were slapping their legs, laughing, guffawing. There were also moments that were horrendous, yeah? You know that kind of, you know the tumbleweed moment yeah have you ever heard that oh, yeah synchronized buttock clench yeah you know what i'm chatting about i'm like oh but towards the end five people made a first-time response for god it's like wow five people so excited and i had asked a minister to come and to listen to it and give me some feedback because I was like, I want it, it's the first time I've ever done it. And he marched from the back and he came down the front and he said, Mark, what are you doing? Are you trying to be on TV? Are you trying to be a comedian? That was embarrassing tonight. He says, you need to stop doing this, go back to preaching in churches and never do this again. And then off he went. Have you ever had that moment where you're like, Thanks for the feedback. Yeah, have you ever, had that? <laughs> you ever had that moment where you're like, hey, thanks. We're driving home, my wife turned to me, she's chatting away, she goes, wow, amazing, five people got saved, this is brilliant, she's really excited, and I says, oh, I'm never doing it again. My wife turns to me, what, what are you talking about? I told her about the minister and what he said. <sighs> <sighs> Have you ever seen your wife or husband or partner so angry that the vein in their neck actually comes out of their body and wanders around the car? Have you ever seen that? She was angry. She said, listen to me. I looked up to God and God said, listen to her. Yeah, I would, I would listen to her. God was like, I'm listening to her. You should listen to her, yeah? She says, Mark, it's true that there were some moments today that you must never say again out loud. She says, that is true, and we'll change that. She goes, but you were engaging, and people were connecting, and five people made a response to God. She goes, we are doing this again. And so we started to do it in other theatres, and then we did it in Lincoln. 800 people came. 150 people made a first-time response for God. <laughs> I was so excited. So excited. But what I didn't know is that that minister who'd been there on the first night, he was at the back. I didn't know this. This is about the 15th time I've done it, and I did not know he was in the room. And he comes down, and he comes and he speaks to me, and he says, Mark, that was amazing. You must keep on doing this. <laughs> And then all the time he's talking, I'm thinking, oh. (laughs) Oh, as soon as he stops talking, I'm going to let him have it. I'm going to tell him, oh, if I'd listened to you, I would have never have done it, and I'm going to let him have it. And then God was like, oh, be the bigger man. Fingers on lips. And so at the end, I says, God bless you. And off he went. And now I talk about him all over the world, yeah? (laughs) All over the world. Never say his name. Praise the Lord. You see, the thing is, this guys is that I could have like my background. You know, I could have looked at my all oh, my upbringing. I'm just a pastor. I'm just a preacher. I don't do that kind of stuff. But it's like I'm not going to limit God to what He can and cannot do. And I'm saying to you today that whatever's going on with you, do not limit God. Hand it all over to God and watch God do incredible things. Praise God. I love this story. I love this story because it's a story about overflow. You know, it's a story where the baskets were full at the end. The second thing I want to talk about is that salvation is here. Um, I find this amazing that, that Philip is saying to Jesus, I mean, just have a think this for a second. Philip is saying to Jesus, the son of the living God, what are we going to do? Tesco's is definitely shot, yeah? <laughs> what are we going to do? We have not got enough food for everyone. And you want to say, Philip, Philip, open your eyes. Salvation is here. This is Jesus, the son of the living God. God and friend I want to say salvation is here sometimes we mistake it we don't see it for what it is but right now in this room salvation is here I went to Australia last year and I loved it. And one of the great opportunities, I got to go to the Gold Coast. And I got talking to the lifeguards and the lifeguards were telling me, you see, these waves in the Gold Coast are huge and the undercurrent is so strong and the eddies and the pool of the sea is so mighty that things happen quick. And he told me that two weeks before I got there, there was a nine-year-old girl, and she was in the sea, and a wave wiped her out. And then she was getting thrown around, and she was drowning. And the lifeguards came, and they couldn't get to her because the waves were so strong. And they were trying to get to her, but she was getting pulled out. So they used, the, you know, those plastic kind of lifesaver um, equipment. They threw it out, and they threw this like what looked like a piece of plastic out to her that's on a rope, and they got it close to her. But the girl, she didn't know what it was. She was getting thrown around with the waves, and they're shouting over the loud sound of the waves, grab hold of it, your rescue's right there. But she didn't understand. She didn't know what it was. And she didn't touch it. And she's getting thrown around. And the lifeguards sent to me, they can see her drowning. And she's going to die. And yet, she could be rescued if she just reached out. And so great that he said eventually, they got the message to her. She understood. She grabbed hold of it and got hold of the buoyancy aid. And they were able to pull her in and rescue her. And friend, as we are here today... There are people all over this room and you're drifting away from God. You are getting further and further away from God. And God has made this moment right now. He has come through Jesus on the cross and he has thrown that out to you. That is your salvation. That is your rescue. And if only you would get hold of the cross today, he will pull you into his arms. Oh, I was weeping earlier because I thought, maybe there's one person in the room who hears my words now and ignores the salvation, ignores the cross, and then drifts forever without God. And I feel broken that that could even happen today in this place. But oh, friend, open your eyes. Salvation is here. Grab hold of the cross. Come through the cross into the arms of God. I love this story because it's a story of overflow. The Bible says there was 12 baskets left over You see, I don't know if you've ever been to a picnic or a barbecue or a wedding where there's just not quite enough food. Have you ever been to one of them? And everybody's trying to make it work. And because we're all lovely Christians, we're like, it's fine. I'm sure the sausage roll will work for us 25 people. And everyone's being nice. And it's like, oh, it's just not quite enough. And we could have seen a miracle like that. Jesus could have turned the fish and bread into just about enough. But the Bible says that there was 12. Everyone had eaten. Everyone had had their fill. This is a miracle. There were teenagers at that event. And they were full. That is a miracle. 12 baskets left over. Overflow. Overflow. You see, I'm here today to speak to you about living a life of overflow. Not living a life of scarcity. So many Christians I know, they, they, they hold on to the blessing and, and it's to keep it to themselves. You see, you can grip on tight to your blessings and live a life of scarcity or you can give your blessing away and live a life of overflow. I wanna live a life of overflow. I want to be given away all the time. My wife and me, we started to do this weird thing that in restaurants we're eating our food and we finish and then we'll pay for somebody else's meal. We have to pay for our own as well, obviously. (laughs) It's not we're not looking over going, oh they only had chips, let's pay for them. Yeah. No. (laughs) But I've never thought of that before. Thank you. And it's like but it's like, wow! It's like paying for other people's meals. And like, they look, it's great fun. Because the couple have finished their food and the waiter says they've paid for your dinner. And they're looking over, they're like, do you know him? I don't know him. Who, do you know? I don't know him. Who's he? It's like, why is he paid for our food? And you got to understand, I'm not at the table going, Jesus, he died for you, yeah? <laughs> it's not. I'm not doing a drama sketch in the restaurant. His abundance is for you, yeah. I'm not doing that. I'm not singing a song. I'm not quickly doing a little flip chart. I'm not doing any of those things. What I'm doing is I just want to live a life of overflow. I want to give away and give away and give away and give away. And I want to encourage you that you would give away today. This week, is there a way that you can give away? I'm gonna get a bit passionate now. I gonna because what I'm gonna talk about now burns inside me. You see, have you ever been on the wrong side of an inside joke? You know, have you ever, somebody's having an inside joke and you don't know what the joke is and you kinda ask them and they do that thing where they go, oh no, no, it's just, a, it's just our little joke. Don't you worry. About it. Have you ever had that? And it makes you feel like you're on the outside. Makes you feel rubbish. <laughs> makes you think, oh, they seem to kind of know something I don't know. And friends, sometimes I feel like the church has made the go- gospel, has made the gospel of the Lord Jesus Christ like an inside joke. Sometimes it's felt to me like church has kind of had this thing where we all know, we all get it. And the world's like looking in going, hey guys, what, what, what is that? And we're all like, oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. No, don't you worry about it. It's just for the chosen. It's just for us. Oh, friends. God never intended for the gospel to be something that is exclusive and kept to ourselves. But God wants the gospel to be something that we give away and give away and give away and give away again. And we keep on giving it away. That we keep on giving it away. Oh, this broke me. A few Sundays ago, I fell off my chair on the front row when the pastor said these words. That the Sunday before I got there, A lady who'd been praying for her husband to become a Christian for 35 years. And every Sunday she would ask him to come and he would never come. And then, two Sundays before I got there, she woke up and went downstairs and he was in his suit on the settee. And she goes, What's happening? He goes, I'm going to go to church with you. She's like, So excited. She goes, well, listen, there's two services. Let me go to the first one and serve, and then I'll see you at 11. Yeah, yeah, that'll be great. He's brilliant. He's coming. She's so excited. She's got a bounce in her step. Brilliant. She serves in the first service. She's got lots to do. And then she's looking for him in the second service. She can't see him anywhere. Service comes and goes. He's not come. She's devastated. Then Sunday dinner, she's sitting at the table, and she says to him, you promised me you were coming, and and you're not here. And he said... I did come. He says, I did come, and I came, and I'll tell you where I sat. And he told her exactly where he sat. And he says, and a couple came over to me and said, excuse me, but that is our seats. We've sat there for the last 25 years. Is there any chance that you could get up and let us sit in our seats? Because he's a decent human being. He got up, and he didn't really know, and they sat down, and he couldn't find anywhere else to sit, and he felt embarrassed, and then he left. Oh God, oh God, what have we made your church God? Because God never intended church to be about us having our favorite seats. God intended us that we would create something that is not actually for us, but it's for those who have not yet come. And oh, that God would would stir our souls, that we would always be thinking about inviting people and giving giving away, giving away, giving away, giving away. My, uh, my son caught me, I hope this is not too much, but he caught me weeping in the front room. He came in the front door, in, in the living room door and he saw me weeping. He says, Dad, what was happening? And I showed him this video that I just watched. It was a video about Grenfell Tower. Some of you know the story of what happened to those flats going on fire. And this video shoots in and it comes in to this little group and there's a little huddle and they've got their um, survival blankets on, you know, the foil blankets. They've got them and they're, they're animated and they're all talking about how they've just been rescued and you can see them all excited about being saved from the tower. And they're all in this huddle and they're talking and then the video pans and you can see that the tower is still on fire. And the people are still running from the tower. And you can see that the firemen are still working in the tower. And then suddenly something dramatic happens. In this little huddle, one of the guys stands up. And he pulls off the survival blanket. Pulls off the survival sheet and throws it down. And then suddenly he starts running towards the tower. And the camera follows him. And a few moments later, you see this guy helping a fireman bring an old lady out of the tower. And he gets interviewed later, and he said, I realized that I was rescued to see others rescued. Oh, I was rescued to see others rescued. My son says, Dad, why has it got you so bad? Why has it hit you so hard? I said, son, because I see it as a picture of the church. I see a picture of the church where there's this huddle. And it's like this. so many churches you visit, and they're there, and they've got the survival blankets on, and they're like, oh, Jesus, we're just holding on till you come through the cloud. Survival mentality. But I'm praying that this would be a church where we would stand up and we would throw off our survival blanket. And we would stop being in our little huddle talking about how we got saved 45 years ago. And wasn't it marvelous? And the hymns were brilliant in that day. And we would take off our survival blanket, throw it down, and that we would run towards the carnage. We would run towards the broken. We would run towards the devastated, the marginalized and the ruined. Oh. Last Friday... I got the chance to do my show in a Belfast, East Belfast pub, and I was terrified. And I thought of 20 other places that I could have been, but I said yes because I've committed that I want to take the gospel to the place people least expect it. You see, This summer, I did a show, a comedy show at the Edinburgh Fringe and it was hilarious and it was fun and in the middle, I brought the message of God. And people came in off the streets, they saw a flyer and they saw it on the program and they came in, never been to church before and they're listening to this guy at the front, making them laugh and then talking about God. Do you know why? when I was 16 I was a young boy I used to be in Musselburgh the eight Assemblies of God and I used to go up to the Edinburgh Fringe every summer and watch comedians shredding the name of Jesus slagging off Christianity calling all kinds of names calling Jesus all kinds of things and I sat there at 16 and I said one day I'll be on that stage and I will lift up the name of Jesus I will lift up the name of Jesus I will walk light into a dark place. Ah, oh, tonight, I'm getting the opportunity here tonight at half past five to do my friend show. It lasts for 55 minutes. It's fun, it's fun. You'll laugh, you'll enjoy yourself. But why don't you even today? Why don't you text a friend? Why don't you get on the email? Why don't you give someone a call? Bring them along tonight. If you were not intending on coming this evening, why don't you come and help fill this room with laughter so that guests feel comfortable and we have a good night? Wouldn't it be wonderful to think that tonight we saw people in the most unlikely place, in the middle of a comedy show, people connecting with God. Ah, oh, I wonder if we could bow our heads in the presence of God. I believe that there are people that have drifted from God in this room. And God comes and he throws out salvation to you right now in the shape of Jesus on the cross and the fact that Jesus rose from the grave, that we can come through Jesus to connect with God. Salvation is here. What I'm simply going to do is I'm going to pray a really short prayer. And if that's you today, I want you to pray the prayer. Don't say it out loud. No one say it out loud, but just pray it in your heart today. And then I will say, Amen. Then I'll quickly count to three and I'll say, if you prayed that prayer on three, I just want you to raise your hand. And as you raise your hand, someone from the team will come and put a gift in your hand. And we want you to have that. You take that and stick it under your chair. This is a prayer. Why don't you pray? Dear God, thank you for sending Jesus. Jesus is my salvation. I am sorry for my sin sorry for drifting away from you. I come through Jesus into your arms. In Jesus' name. Amen. As every head stays bowed and every eye is closed. If you prayed that prayer, then on three, I wonder if you could just raise up your hand. One, two, three. That's amazing. Just keep your hands up as the team just come now. People all around the room with their hands up. That's amazing. Thank you, Jesus. The team are just going to put something in your hand. That'd be fantastic. Just keep your hand up there nice and high while we, that's really fantastic. Just get these things to you. That's really good. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord, for people responding to you. Thank you, Lord, for people recognizing your salvation. In Jesus' name. Amen. Could you look up for a second, church? I'm going to hand back in two minutes. We've not got any kind of time. But I'm just simply going to put it straight like this. Church i was driving down from nottingham today and i started having a little weep in the car for this moment that we would have our souls stirred that we would commit again to go into the broken and the ruined and the devastated that we would not stay in a nice comfortable huddle in church but that we would stand up and run to the marginalized I've not got a lot of time, so I'm going to count to three. And if you're a Christian in this place and, and you're saying, Mark, do you know what? I, I, I commit again to that. I don't want to be in a comfort zone. I don't want to be in a huddle. I want to go to the broken and the ruined. Then on three, all I'm going to ask you to do is just to stand where you are. And I'm going to pray over us as a church. And then I'm going to hand back to the leaders. We've not got time. So it's your moment now to stand. One, two, three. That's great. That's great. That's great. If you feel comfortable with this, can you raise your hands to heaven? Holy God. Holy God. Holy God. Holy God. We're standing before you now, God. And we don't want comfort. We don't want ease. We don't want to live middle lane life we don't want to live mediocre God our hands are raised to you we are standing before you and father again we commit that we will go to the broken to the ruined to the marginalized to the devastating that oh God again we will go to the lost we'll go to the confused we will go to those that no one else will go to. We will go to those where people are running away from. We will go to those who are devastated and damaged and we will go and we will find rescue and salvation in the name of Jesus. Oh friends, can we give God a massive hand clap?